Hi, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Through Nick and Thin. The podcast where we watch every Nicolas Cage movie in chronological order so that you don't have to. I'm your host, my name is Steve. Joining me, as always, is the incomparable co-host with the mo-host, <laughs> Hannah. Hannah, how are you doing this week? I'm good. I, I apologize in advance. I probably sound a little bit nasally and tired. I'm not feeling great, but we watched this movie, and I told Steve I will push through however I'm feeling in order to talk about this, because we need to talk about it with like fresh eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, we watched it last night, and I'm, I've been eager to talk about it ever since. Yeah, so without further ado, we discussed, or we watched, and we will be discussing the movie Mandy, starring, of course, Nicolas Cage. And I believe I mentioned a few weeks ago that the Russo brothers, some of my favorite directors, they directed, of course, many of the Avengers superhero movies. They said that this was one of their favorite movies in recent history. I think I know why, after watching it. Really? Oh, yeah. We'll discuss that, potentially, in a few moments. (laughs) But a brief overview of this movie is that Nicolas Cage plays a simple man living a simple life with his simple wife. <laughs> I, I, right, I wouldn't I call her. I wouldn't call her simple. I wouldn't call her simple either. It <laughs> just all sort she's of rhymed. pretty spooky. <laughs> yeah, she, it, just, it just rhymed. She's, she's quite striking looking. But, <laughs> but so his wife gets, he and his wife get abducted in a way from these religious cultists and they murder his wife spoiler alert and he goes on a rampage his wife mandy mandy yeah that makes sense (laughs) (laughs) it should be explained so he goes on a rampage to revenge and avenge the death of mandy wild this movie buckle up baby because there are some what a ride yeah absolutely (laughs) so before we get into explaining this movie through the lens of Nicolas Cage I'm as we so usually excited do. to talk about this I haven't been this excited about a movie in a while <laughs> yeah we've seen some okay movies in recent history we've seen some bad movies in recent history but this one uh is really good I know it has like a 90 something on Rotten Tomatoes yes so this movie has it came out in 2018 it is a 6.5 out of 10 on IMDb and a 90% on that's, Rotten Tomatoes that's huge that's like one of the top five highest rated movies that we've seen yep. yeah yeah, people love this. Critics love this. Um, Cage fans love this. Fans of horror love this. Everyone has generally been very positive about this movie. Yeah, and I, what's weird is I think maybe what how what's reflected in those ratings is that I don't think that this movie is very approachable from an, a regular movie watcher no. standpoint. <laughs> yeah, so this movie does a lot of really. Maybe not avant-garde things, but it's very artsy. Yeah, it's very psychedelic. There's lots of color. There's there's a ton of use of color. And I think a better movie critic and a better movie analyzer would be able to tell you what those colors mean. I'm oh, not absolutely. sure that I can. There's, I'm sure, a lot of imagery associated with that. A lot mm-hmm. of... There's just a lot of like figurative language mm. expressed in some of the imagery that you're seeing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I will say, I thought... It's weird that I can pull out when a movie is well-directed, but I thought that this movie was really well-directed. Yeah, so I'll I'll get into that, some some interesting facts here. So I, I shared the uh, the ratings, the 6.5 out of 10 on IMDb and a 90% on Rotten Tomatoes, and then the budget was $6 million, and then it made $1.4 million. It really only was at Sundance in oh. 2018. 
had a very limited theatrical release and mm. um then it was i think originally just supposed to be like a video on demand really yeah that's kind of surprising so we watched this through shutter for which we have to fans. cancel our subscription <laughs> yes. to before we have to pay for it there's a seven day free trial so we'll have to cancel <laughs> it but but yeah so it's it's a uh streaming service exclusively for horror for movies. horror movies which i mean if i watched a lot of horror movies maybe i'd continue paying sure. for it but yeah we're not into horror no as a genre but i'm into this movie yeah this movie was good it was cool so this movie is directed by a director named panos cosmatos one of the most greek things i've said in a long time (laughs) he's actually from italy oh i think his father is greek and then he moved to uh canada i believe in the 80s so he has i guess been out of italy for a while gotcha so Panos Cosmatos has only directed two things, hmm. Mandy in 2018, and then he directed a movie called Beyond the Black Rainbow in 2010. I don't think it did very well. No one really knows about it. <laughs> yeah, I've never heard it's of it. It's another horror movie um, about, I think, like a clairvoyant psychic woman hmm. and some spooky shit that happened to her. Ooh, sounds spooky. <laughs> <laughs> so Elijah Wood... Uh, from the oh, movie yeah. that we watched, The Trust. Yeah, that was he, a great movie. Yeah, he owns a production company um, that started in, I think, 2008 called Spectre Vision. And that's the production company that produced Mandy 2018. Hmm. Um, he saw Beyond the Black Rainbow. And then when he was presented with the script, he thought that this Panos Cosmatos director guy would, would be a really good fit for it. Hmm. And I, I think he was right. Yeah. Weirdly enough, Panos Cosmatos described this movie when it was presented at the, and I always pronounce the name of this city wrong, Cannes, Cannes? Con. Is it Con? Con. Yeah, I'm really uneducated. Typically in French. You don't say the S? I never took French. Right. You don't pronounce the last consonant. Okay. The Con. Con Film Festival. Film Festival um, in 2018 as a film about the death of his parents. Wait. This was this movie was about the death. He of? said that Mandy, twenty eighteen, uh-huh. is a film about the death of his parents. Huh. Not maybe, sure what that means. Maybe he lost them to like a drug related incident I or something. Don't think so. Hmm. I don't believe a cult murdered them either. <laughs> so I'm not sure. But if you look up a picture of this guy, he looks very much like other people in Nicolas Cage's life that um, would probably get along with him. See, I started typing monos like the hands of fate not oh Panos. my god Pon- panos cosmatos i feel oh, like yeah. he looks like his brother and his son yeah he's a, he's a big burly guy <laughs> yeah. with a big beard and wily hair and he wears graphic tees and yeah, yeah. looks like his brother chris coppola yeah a little bit i'm sure his son loved this movie i'm surprised that he didn't have any music in it and there's yeah, I, yeah. I could talk a lot about music actually i'm not oh, gonna yeah. speak too much about it because i'm pretty uneducated um about psychedelic rock okay so i wouldn't be the best person to speak on this topic Same. especially if we have any yeah i was gonna say I, don't, <laughs> I think i probably know a little bit more than you do yeah um but panos cosmatos described this movie as a disintegrating rock opera and i could definitely see that absolutely um, yeah that's cool. i think that's a really cool way to describe that it in a fact cool way to describe he it. said that originally he wanted to make it more of like a live performance um at least like while you're watch while you're watching the movie they would f- they would record live musicians, mm. um, you know, mm-hmm. on like over the imagery, I suppose, mm-hmm. like 
so that the musicians could watch the film and record the music at the same time mm-hmm. to, I guess, invoke whatever emotion in them that they needed to. Yeah. Um, and they were going to have like a bunch of famous musicians. This is a movie that takes place in the 80s. I don't know if you mentioned oh, that. Oh, I didn't mention that, no. But it's hardly noticeable, I think. Yeah, other than like technology. Yes, yeah, because so, yeah, it is one of those movies where I guess you could be like, well, why not use your cell phone for this or something? Who knows if they'd even have, it takes place in like the depths of the Pacific Northwest. Like, I don't mm. even know if today you'd have a reception there. That's so true, who knows? Yeah. But anyway, he wanted to make it like a live performance almost with famous musicians, um, make it like really collaborative, but the budget just didn't pan out for it. Like I said, they only yeah. had $6 million to work with, so they weren't going to blow all of that on, uh, you know, getting some 80s psychedelic rock musicians <laughs> to to perform. But this movie was the last um, film that was scored by... This Icelandic composer named Johan Johansson, mm. and the movie is actually dedicated to him. Mm-hmm. And he also scored the movie Arrival, which I know you love. Oh, I do like that movie. And then he won uh, Best Composing or Best Soundtrack for uh, The Theory of Everything. Best Score? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay, so really accomplished musician. Yeah, very accomplished. And this was and like this the was last, last thing that he did. Wow. And he died. He was like 48, pretty young. Oh, wow. I don't know how he died. I didn't huh. look that up. Okay. Um, so this movie's dedicated to him, and I think, you know, if you were a musician or if you're really into, like, hard, psychedelic, weird 80s shit, <laughs> you might, like, you might get a lot out of this movie. Yeah. Like, I would recommend this movie for someone who's really into that type of music. Exactly. And and I would recommend this movie to someone who's into that type of lifestyle, I guess. You know what I oh, mean? Yeah. And, like, anybody who is into the that sort of even like, like said, a stranger and... things type of fan i think if you're into mm. if you're into some more graphic horror yeah you might enjoy the nostalgia of this movie as well yeah absolutely yeah completely agree good good analysis there han thanks mm-hmm. uh so like i was saying elijah wood um produced this movie he owns the company specter vision apparently this was the best reviewed film that they'd made in the 10 years that the company had been around. Mm. So Elijah was super excited about this. And um, he worked with Nick in a movie called The Trust, which we watched uh, from a couple months ago. Yeah, great movie. At this point. Um, so he knew that Nick was like really great to work with. I, I think I mentioned, I remember um, when, when we were doing the podcast for The Trust that Elijah only had very like favorable things to say about Nick. Yeah, I do somewhat recall that as well. I think they sort of became th- fast friends. I think in yeah. recent years, other than... Like the one incident in Peggy Sue got married, he's pretty much gotten along with all of his co-stars. Yeah, I think so too. Um, but Elijah had a lot of fantastic things to say about Nick's performance in this. I mean, I do too. Like, like I think he was incredible in this movie. Yeah. Um, so Elijah Wood said that the movie highlights so much of what makes Nick Cage an extraordinary actor. He is able to portray something so intensely emotional and his character goes on a real journey. Audience is really able to follow along with that journey. Um he he was talking about the memes, <laughs> like oh, Nick yeah. Cage memes. He was like, that's yeah. obviously something that we love about Nick. But you also have to realize that like he's just this incredible actor who's capable of emotional depth and subtlety across the spectrum. Um, yeah, in, absolutely. In some performances. In some, that's true. Yeah. Some Sometimes it is not his fault. It's the script's fault that he gets a pretty one-dimensional character. But sometimes yeah. it is. It's like, Nick, all you're doing is whispering and screaming. Right. Which is what 
I think they say in SNL, whenever Andy Samberg did, did <laughs> yeah. the Cage impression, he was like, I do every scene. I'm either whispering or screaming. So, I mean, people who love Nick Cage just for like the quote unquote cage rage, which is probably mm. us. Like, yeah. I, I mean, we started doing this podcast because of that. And I think we've like developed a bit of love for him via sure. Stockholm syndrome or, or whatever <laughs> may have you. Yeah. Um, you know, they'll, they'll enjoy this movie because there is a lot of screaming. Oh, yeah. But I think that any fan of true acting will also enjoy this movie because like what Nick is able to put on the table is like very difficult I'm sure and incredibly impressive yeah no I completely agree with you and not only is his acting generally it works in this movie in terms of like his blocking and his movements and how he's carrying himself but there are several scenes in this movie where they spend a lot of time close up close up on his face and he never breaks he never breaks his his emoting is really clear intense yeah. yeah It's really cool to watch. Mm-hmm. Like, I, we haven't even gotten into the plot yet, and I'm already saying, like, you have to watch this movie. Yeah, yeah. And like like I said, though, I think if you're sort of an average moviegoer, you know, if you're not really into more of the artsy films, maybe That's stay true. away from this one. <laughs> That's true. But if you are a big moviegoer, mm-hmm. but you don't like horror movies, I think this is a good one. I think so, too. If you're like, all right, I'll try a few horror movies, but I don't really love every horror movie. I wouldn't call movie. this, like... like scary no there are, there's no like thrilling more. yeah there's no cheap like uh shock no there shock isn't. scares what no. do they call those not like jump jump scares jump yes scares, there yeah. there are no cheap jump scares or anything like that it's just a good all-around horror movie i think it's it's pretty it's pretty insane so looking at my notes here i have a couple things that i'll probably touch on as you're going through the plot because okay. it'll make more sense when we get to it mm-hmm. um i'll speak a little bit on nick Unfortunately, 2018 is mm. the year that his 14-year marriage with Alice Kim Coppola oh, has oh, ended. No. And um, Nick, his performance was inspired by the marriage ending just before shooting. He said, it was a true shock for me. I did not see it coming. My feelings had to go somewhere, so I had to put it into this performance. Whoa. So really she sad. broke up with him. Yeah, she ended it. Wow. And it was right before filming this movie. Right, yeah. Whoa. Right as he was signing up to, to be in this film. Wow. 14-year was... marriage, they have a kid together, so. Yeah, that's tough. Pretty sad. Yeah, so um, he had been married to Patricia Arquette for a couple of years. Not that, not 14 years, but No, this years. is his longest relationship. And then he was married to Presley. For like two days. For a very short <laughs> while. And we will later discuss how he marries someone for like 72 hours that was like last year or two years ago (laughs) but then didn't he just recently get married again yeah yeah okay (laughs) so we'll talk about those when we get to them and we have a lot more a lot more we have yeah it might be a lot more movies in 2018 that we have to get to so Mm, i'll touch more on like the alice kim marriage ending and all of that i just i know that i had a lot here so i didn't want to waste too much time with this and especially because i sound horrible and i'm sure no one (laughs) wants to listen to me speaking like this oh that's not true (laughs) and then the last thing that i found Mm -hmm. that i kind of want to take a look and see if i can find more about this i've never heard this before I read a, a fact that said that Nick has an uncredited screaming coach named David Sellers. And I want to know if that was just for this movie or if he's like been along for the ride for a while. I'm going to Google David Sellers screaming coach and see what comes up. It it seems like it's just for this movie. 
In order to get his screams just right, Nick Cage worked with a screaming coach named David Sellers. And I don't know anything else about David Sellers. He is absent from the internet. <laughs> I googled David David Sellers. There's an architect named yeah, I David see that. Sellers. I don't think that's him. Uh, he doesn't look like he can scream very well. No, he doesn't. <laughs> but you know what? I don't want to judge him based on how he looks. Um, but I'm kind of surprised that Nicolas Cage would go to a screaming coach. You'd think if there's one thing he knows what to, it's how, how to, to do well, it's screaming. I, I don't know. I wonder if the screaming coach was teaching him how to convey emotions with certain screams. Perhaps. Or if it was teaching him how to scream without hurting himself. That could also be. He's getting older. He is. I have a feeling it's the more of the latter. Yeah. He doesn't want to have to get like a vocal node surgery in his 50s. That would suck. suck. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. A lot of good stuff there. (laughs) Yeah, quite a bit. And like I said, I have like three or so more facts that I'll wait um, until we get to those scenes to to deliver, but I think we can get into the plot. All right, so as I alluded to earlier, we're going to go through this movie Nick Cage scene by Nick Cage scene, as we love to do. And really, I'll say right off the top of the... Right off the bat here, I was about to say off the top of the bat, but that doesn't really make much sense. But this movie is actually broken into, I would say, three movies. And those three movies are broken down. I say that because there are title screens, title title cards i guess you could say of each of the titles of each of these three movies the first is the shadow mountains the second is children of the new dawn and the third is mandy so the first two sections are very short and it sets up a lot the film actually opens on some text and it said when i die bury me deep lay two speakers at my feet put some headphones on my head and rock and roll me when i'm dead um, what is that from? <laughs> they appear to come from the words of the final words of Douglas Roberts, a man convicted of kidnapping, robbery, and murder in Texas and executed on April 20th, 2005. This is not directly credited or verified by the film. Maybe those, maybe that guy was the one who killed the director's parents. Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's how his parents died, and that's why this is a. Why would he. Yeah, that's a little it's, close to home. Yeah. yeah, maybe not. Maybe not. It's really sad. <laughs> yeah, it would be. It would be. So that is the way the movie opens up. We also see Nicolas Cage is some kind of lumberjack. We just get that really briefly. He knows how to use a chainsaw. That's going to come up later. Yeah, but, he does. Yeah. <laughs> he knows his way around a chainsaw. So in the Shadow Mountains portion of this movie, really it's just the beginnings of any horror movie where it's this montage of this couple in the good times and and it's very sort of quick moments with with nicholas cage and mandy their uh, good times are like exclusively in solitude yes they live their lives in a very terrifying way in my opinion yeah they have this cabin in the woods which they've replaced all walls with windows <laughs> they it is you can see through every angle. They don't have curtains. Nothing. Yeah. And I mean, I guess in some respects, them sleeping there at night, w- surrounded by windows without curtains, it's it's oh, beautiful sure it's and so romantic. Cool. And so you get to see all the stars and everything like that. But you would also see like wolves, uh, coyote. Or as we're going to find out later, people who can sneak. Satanic cult. <laughs> yeah, exactly. People <laughs> sneak into your house and scare the shit out of you. 
he shows up to his house. We see his house for the first time, and he walks in on his wife or girlfriend, Mandy, who is an artist, and she's drawing. He gives a really weird knock-knock joke. It's knock-knock. Who's there? Eric Estrada. Eric Estrada who? Eric Estrada from Chips. Maybe because we're not <laughs> from the 80s. Yeah. We don't know what that means. Did it, you look it up? Yeah, Chips was a TV show back in the back in the 70s or 80s. Oh. It was about... Uh, yeah, but is Eric Estrada a yeah, character he's an actor. or an actor? He's an okay. actor in Chips. Cool. So the joke is that like... Eric Estrada who it's usually you would think it's a pun but it's not a pun it's Eric Estrada from the tv show chips huh lol (laughs) he also in this scene unconvincingly unconvincingly compliments his uh Mandy's paintings and drawings (laughs) he's like her looks so great should we talk about how she looks she's spooky she's spooky looking she's real spooky not in real life um, no she's very attractive in real life absolutely but, but they did some movie magic on her to yeah. make her look like some like Coraline looking shit and she does look like Coraline she's got these big black eyes and one one yeah one I... but like her eyes are naturally blue mm. one of her eyes are blue and then one is like a contact and it's just like a big black ball yeah and then she has like a weird like spider vein coming out of her blue eye yeah and then her hair is just like very elvira drab like long black yeah real spooky looking but like you said she's attractive in her life she's she's a beautiful woman makeup man it's crazy how they do that again in this montage of the good times you had mentioned han while we were watching this movie you said quote ew i don't like him being intimate with anyone so i jotted that down and wanted to mention that then we move into the next segment of the movie it's the children of the new dawn and it's this section that sets up who the religious cult is exactly. And it's this really spooky group of people. And it's got this cult leader, as they always do. Jeremiah Sand. And he is, uh, he believes he's the, essentially the second coming of Christ, correct? Yes. So his background is that he was a failed pop musician. Oh, I He kind part. of explained this. Did he? But I I think I verbalized to you during the movie that I have a very difficult time comprehending like satanic right and like religious otherworldly and like religious context. Mm-hmm. I don't know why, but like the second that someone starts speaking like in that realm, I like blank like I like blank out and I like forget how to comp like I just forget language. Yeah. There's also there's also a, a scene where I think he's laying a lot of this out for the audience and for the, the characters that he's speaking to in the scene, which we'll get to in a second. But it's a really interesting kind of spooky scene. And I was more captivated with what was going on in the scene That's than the true. words he was That's saying. That's probably how... Yeah. Maybe I'm not stupid. No, maybe I it's don't think just, so. <laughs> <laughs> maybe I remember English when that's the context of it (laughs) right right maybe i was just interested in like the cinematography instead yeah it was some really kind of cool cinematography which i'll touch on oh so anyway he was like Mm -hmm. a failed oh yeah you know musician and i think that's why like music is so prevalent in this movie because it has a lot to do with like this cult leader and a lot of his 
band i believe is like a part of this cult as well Uh, i didn't get that they were all musicians but again maybe it's because we were so distracted by other things in the movie and then i think he faced like ridicule from that um Mm -hmm. and his old band members you know ridiculed him because Mm. like he wasn't successful and then i think he like found god in some other capacity in like a weird really weird way kind of way yeah absolutely um, in like a sacrificial type of way mm-hmm. oh yeah yeah so it quickly establishes that this entire cult will do anything for this man and yeah. he's very like marilyn manson in a way not marilyn manson the the musician marilyn manson charles manson. charles manson <laughs> charlie manson everybody in that band took the first name of a supermodel and the last name of a serial killer in Marilyn Manson's band? Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so that's oh, why yeah. he's Marilyn Monroe. Like, and, and, and then Charles Manson. Manson. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like he's very much like Charles Manson. And have you seen like videos at least of Charles Manson talking? Like he's mm-hmm. very charismatic and like yes. pretty crazy. Mm-hmm. So I would say like this Jeremiah Sand guy is similar to that. And, you know, Charles Manson just had this way of like accruing a ton of followers with no, like he didn't always enact the violence he like always got other people to do it for him and i think this jeremiah sand guy is like very similar oh absolutely yeah yeah so jeremiah sands the cult leader and his followers his band if you will were driving in their van down some random road less traveled winding road northwestern and they happen to drive past mandy and he sees mandy and decides that he must have her so Whatever he, that means. Exactly. So he enlists his his cult to get together and capture Mandy to indoctrinate her into the cult, essentially. But what they end up doing is some type of siren call. Yes. <laughs> yes. So it's not, hey, why don't you two in my cult go get Mandy for me? Yeah. It's, hey, why don't you two in my cult... Summon. Summon. With, like, this flute. <laughs> these even spookier spooky boys. <laughs> and From, so, like, a motorcycle gang. The black somethings. Something. The black riders or something yeah. like that. Yeah. So these are guys who are... Might as well be monsters. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They have, like, knives coming out of their suits and fingers. And they're, they move really creepily. And their voices are all distorted. Yeah. And, you see their faces at some point and they're like gray and black teeth and yeah, that kind of thing. I don't thing. think they're human anymore. Right. They're essentially <laughs> not. We learn more about them in a scene later on. But so what happens is these extra spooky boys <laughs> do all the dirty work in exchange for a sacrifice. So they kill one of the cultists in exchange. They will go capture Mandy and Nicolas Cage. So... Mandy is given hallucinogenic drugs through her eye, the spider vein eye, which is very creepy, and a giant bee. <laughs> it's like a hornet. They pull out, but it's like ten times the size of a regular yeah, hornet. It's yes, and they force this hornet to sting her, and she starts hallucinating. Yeah, and this is the scene where the cult leader, and it's directed in such a crazy way. It's a close up on the cult leader's face, and it very slowly morphs into Mandy's face and then back 
into the yeah. cult leader's face. And this is where he's given this big speech about how, why you should join my cult. And, and this is where he talks about him having a background as a musician, which mm, both Steve and I missed because we were too infatuated with like understanding the nuances between their faces because I was like, whoa, they look so similar. It was, it was, <laughs> you suddenly realized it, but it was such a gradual change in their faces. Yeah. Like the, that the directing and the cinematography in the scene really was cool. incredible. And then you have these flashing strobing lights of blues and reds and greens. Lots of colors. It's crazy. Big weird acid trip. Absolutely. So she refuses this cult leader's advances because he eventually gets to a point where he strips down naked in front of her and she just starts laughing at him. So I have some some detail about that. So this actor um, who plays Jeremiah Sand, he, I forget his name. He's like a real actor. <laughs> As opposed to one of them fake actors. Linus Roach. Mm. When he read the script and saw that he had to strip down naked, he was not interested in that. He was like, I, I don't know how comfortable I am with that. Sure. And then apparently told uh, the director, Panos Cosmatos, and he was like, that's fine. We can just change it. We'll do something else. Like, very flexible. Mm. And then he came on set, and he was like, you know what? I think I think it's important that I do this. Like, I think that it will really make the scene. And apparently he credited his bravery to do it to Margot Robbie going oh. naked in uh, The Wolf of, Wolf Wall, of Street. Wall Street. He was yeah. like, well, if Margot Robbie can do it and still, like... Yeah, remain be, like yeah dignified i ah, guess absolutely. Yeah. then i can do this for this weird cult movie yeah i mean margot robbie that was such a shocking scene because yes. it was <laughs> it was bottomless right that scene. yeah that was really graphic that scene that margot robbie did in wolf uh-huh. of wall street so yeah i get where he's coming from and then i mean was it for that movie or maybe a, a different movie a year later or so didn't she win academy award or she was nominated for academy award for Tanya, I Tanya, I Tanya, she was nominated for. Yeah, I don't know if she won or not, but so I think she did. So yeah, again, you yeah. can be dignified and do Nude, a ton nudity. of nudity. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's part of so part yeah, of the gig. He uh, he credited her for his confidence to appear nude in that scene. Yeah, very nice. Yeah. I wonder if she knows. Probably not. <laughs> probably not. She's probably never seen this. <laughs> <laughs> so because Mandy refuses this cult leader's advances. The cult leader then goes outside where they've got Nicolas Cage tied up with barbed wire, which is really horrifying, really graphic. He's got barbed wire, not just around his hands and maybe even around his legs as well, but he's also, they've gagged him with barbed wire. You know yeah. how sometimes people use duct tape, like, right. like, oh, crazy. It's like in the corners of his mouth. Yeah. So like, he can't really speak. So badly. Oh God. Yeah. And <laughs> the more, for me, part of the more graphic part was his oh, arms, his, his arms. wrists were tied up with, yeah. with the barbed, barbed wire. wire. It was so crazy looking. Yep. And so the, the cult leader says something along the lines of your wife or girlfriend, Mandy in there, uh, thinks that you two are in so much love. You want to know what real love is. I'll show you real love. And he grabs, he has a pregnant cultist and he grabs a revolver, puts one bullet in, does Russian roulette with the pregnant cultist. Like, she's as if to say, this is what real love is because she'll do anything I'll say, yeah. even though she's pregnant. So she pulls the trigger on herself and mm. it's blank. Yeah. Meanwhile, Nick Cage, like an absolute professional, is just acting his heart out and it's incredible. So good. Yeah. Seeing Nick Cage react to this, Later, visceral, like <laughs> yes, <laughs> late a few moments later, they tie up Mandy, 
put her in a large bag or blanket. yeah. Yeah. She's still alive. They string her up and burn her alive in front of Nicolas Cage. And they say, like, she burns brightly or something. Like, Uh, they keep saying that. The darker the whore, the brighter the flame. Same. (laughs) Same thing. (laughs) And That's me. Yeah. The darker... The darker... Yeah. Yeah. I mean... It's yeah. that's true in like all aspects of life. <laughs> sure, I guess. <laughs> if you want to go that way, sure. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> so they leave Nicolas Cage tied up, presumed presumed dead. But Nicolas Cage is able to wiggle one of his hands free from the barbed wire. He's all cut up. He's bloodied. It's not the bloodiest that he is. <laughs> oh no, he gets much bloody later. He walks into his house, and we reveal his outfit because they were captured in the middle of the night. <laughs> He's in. A shirt with a tiger on it. It's like a baseball tee. Yeah. Uh, tidy whities And then just covered in blood. <laughs> and that's it. So. And like contusions. In confusion? Contusions. Oh, contusions. I thought you said end confusion. And yes. He He's is also wearing, confused. Yes. He is wearing contusions and he is also wearing confusion all over <laughs> his face. He heads inside and he immediately just passes out, likely from the pain. There's a brief moment where the movie becomes animated and we see mandy animated standing over the body of like a dead alien monster or something like that it's probably like to symbolize some of her art yeah and again a better movie analysis (laughs) would would tell you exactly what some of these things mean but i don't really like an english teacher or something yeah exactly (laughs) so then he wakes up from this quick little nap he recovers a little bit and he heads to the bathroom and in the bathroom he doesn't say much but he pulls out a full bottle of vodka, he starts grunting, and he starts chugging some of this vodka. He starts pouring the vodka over his wounds, and this grunting leads to screaming, and I'll insert the clips here. It's incredible. haven't seen i haven't seen this in a while from him and but this wasn't like oh my god these screams are coming out of nowhere and and it wasn't like you know all right well the character's justified in screaming here but the screaming's a bit much like he really builds up to it yeah it's it's such a good scene i thought (laughs) incredible he then decides to do something about his life he wants to get revenge right so he goes and visits his buddy bill actor bill duke (laughs) he plays a different character but (laughs) but i recognized actor bill duke and he he says something along the lines of like oh i need the crossbow so i guess they share a crossbow or something so yeah or maybe he has like a checkered past nick cage has and Mm. you know he's like oh i'm gonna turn things around for mandy Mm. you take all my weapons like i don't need them we're gonna live in the woods and have a peaceful life together oh maybe yeah that's an interesting perspective i like that 
Yeah. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So he's talking to Bill Duke, and Bill Duke's like, well, what do you need the crossbow for? And he goes, I'm going hunting. I'm going to hunt for what? Jesus freaks. <laughs> and then... I mean, the way that Nick fights in this movie, like, there's yeah, no way that his character he's just is a just a lumberjack. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so Bill Duke says something along the lines of, like, what happened to Mandy? And he replies with a scream. Yeah, well, just tell me, man. He lit her on fire! And as he's explaining what happened to Mandy, he's like, he's like, there were these religious cultists and they come in and they burned her in front of me. And then there were these biker guys and these <laughs> knife suits. I don't get it. It makes no sense. Like he acknowledges that it doesn't make any sense. Right. He's yeah. the audience because we're like, what the fuck just happened? Yeah. <laughs> so Bill Duke then says, you know, I heard that there's a myth about these biker guys who got addicted to this really powerful LSD so much so it's like a, it's like a green goo in yeah. a jar yeah so much so <laughs> that they love inflicting pain because they love being in pain they love being in pain they're masochists so, yeah and so therefore they love killing and murdering and i guess they're essentially guns for hire if you give them a sacrifice of a human life they'll do something and for green you. goo and green goo so Bill Duke leads Nicolas Cage to the essentially crack den that is where these... Is this before or after he makes the axe? Oh, you're right. I did skip that. Okay, so... (laughs) That's one of my favorite parts of the Okay, yeah. So Bill Duke tells him where he can find the bikers. But then Nicolas Cage goes back home and he starts forging this medieval type axe where it's like an axe on one end and a sword on the other. And it's... By the end of it, it's bright and shiny it's like steel but like nothing he's pouring would indicate that it would be steel yeah like i read i read like a goof thing of it and it was like it looks like he's making some aluminum like something aluminum Aluminum. based upon like i guess the way that it was forged Hmm. and then it's like this like shiny steel like beautiful medieval like dagger thing yeah yeah it's it's crazy it is really well constructed it's kind of cool Welded. looking yeah so i think I, I don't know if i was saying to you or or on the, on the mics or not but somebody had posted a, a picture of their t-shirt which it said like cage match and it said choose your fighter in the style of like street fighter and mm-hmm. had all the different nicholas oh, I'd cages pick, i'd pick the i'd pick this guy the weaponry on this guy alone is incredible from mandy <laughs> i mean but then you've got options like ghost rider who's got supernatural abilities and you've got... i'd still pick this guy <laughs> he's i mean He's just got revenge in his heart. Yeah, absolutely. And, and then it. one of the selected characters was not the bees from Wicker Man. I'm uh, like, he doesn't he do anything. He doesn't do anything. He, he punches women in the face And the he's allergic movie. to bees. <laughs> <laughs> he has an Achilles heel. Yeah, yeah. He's got, a, he's got an extreme weakness, whereas this guy has no weakness. So after he finishes forging the medieval axe, then the title card comes up of Mandy. So again, this movie is separated into three parts, and Mandy is by far to me the best most interesting part i (laughs) thought those first two parts dragged a little bit yeah they were a little slow but mandy is incredible you needed that build up though for exactly to for the the backstory and all that and the payoff exactly because especially it just turns so rapidly yeah like the tone of the whole movie (laughs) yeah up until this point except for the psychedelic cinematography because of the drugs you're like, okay, this is somewhat of a, a grounded, realistic movie. The bikers are a little weird, but it's somewhat, it's still grounded, I guess. Yeah. But then it becomes it this fantastical, rails, yeah. Psychedelic trip. 
Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It is cool. (laughs) So he's on his way to the bikers. He snipes one of them off their motorcycle with a crossbow, turns his runs into his car, runs him over. But this biker is so sturdy and wearing such armor that it crashes his car so that he gets captured by the remaining bikers. He's sort of interrogated by one of these spooky boys. They don't speak, though. Like, they, a little bit. They speak, like, three words at a time yeah. or something. It's really it's really odd. But well, again, We kept saying, like, are they human? Are they speaking English? Are they just grunting? We had to turn the captions on at one point. <laughs> but so Nicolas Cage is able to escape a handcuff. Uh, he's got one hand handcuffed to a pipe, which he's able to loosen and break out of. And he's got another hand, which is nailed to the floor, like through the middle Ugh. of his hand, which is crazy. So he screams as his hand is nailed to the floor, obviously. Ah! So he escapes, as I mentioned. He's able to throw this biker spooky boy down some abyss that happens to be in this room. Uh, Just like in their home. (laughs) Yeah, I guess in this like crack den that they're in. Uh, He finds an X-Acto knife. He also, as he's wandering around looking for more of these bikers to kill, he also stumbles across this room full of like dead old people. Yeah. Like, so, uh, uh, I don't know, man. So he finds another one of the spooky boys watching TV, sneaks up behind him. They have a bit of a tussle. The guy sees him. The guy Is he watching the commercial. No, he's watching porn. The commercial oh. was early, earlier. I skipped oh. over that. Oh, did you have, have something some to interesting say? thing to okay. say about the commercial? So let me reframe it. So when Nicholas Cage first wiggles out of the barbed wire, he walks back into his house and he sees a house with or he sees a commercial on the tv in his house for a mac and cheese company called cheddar goblins (laughs) so it's fake it's not like something that actually existed in the 80s but they made it with like the nostalgia of the 80s Mm -hmm. um and cheddar goblins was directed by casper kelly who also directed the adult swim uh short from 2014 called too many cooks Remember that one? <laughs> I do remember that. <laughs> if you've never seen it, go on YouTube and look up Too Many Cooks. It's great. Um, I thought you'd enjoy that. I do enjoy that a lot. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that is that was really interesting because we were watching the credits because we knew that there was a, an end credit scene or a post credit scene, and it said like Cheddar Goblins created by uh, Panos Paflakos. Pavarotti, whatever his name is yeah so (laughs) i was like oh i thought i assumed that that was a real a real thing it is not very interesting apologies but anyway back to the main story so the spooky boy's watching porn they have a tussle the spooky boy ends up on top of nicholas cage but nicholas cage with the exacto knife in his hand slits the guy's throat and blood just pours all over Nicolas Cage's face. His face is, like in might tr- as well be painted red. true horror film fashion. Absolutely, yeah. So he's covered in blood. Then out of nowhere <laughs> comes the spooky boy he threw in the abyss. And start, this guy starts shooting at him. They have a tussle. Nicolas Cage screams very interestingly. He kept saying earlier, this is my favorite shirt. Meaning yeah. This shirt that he's wearing that we described where it's a tiger on like a baseball <laughs> tee. Where yeah. it's like a three quarters like sleeve length. Like, uh, yeah. Three quarters quarter sleeve length. Rig. Yeah. God. <laughs> that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I guess that's his favorite shirt. 
I guess. And he is mad about it more than, I guess, his wife being burned alive. Yeah. So he says, you ripped my shirt. <laughs> it was hard to hear. We understand. had to put the subtitles on for that one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but then as he's about to take this guy out, he snaps this guy's neck and sort of looks at the camera and smiles. Yep. And again, he's covered in blood. <laughs> really weird. He's looking around this den, this drug den that these people live in. He stumbles across some cocaine, does a quick little hit of cocaine. A little? He takes like a handful. Well, compared to what the spooky boy was doing, he was doing, he was uh, fucking, not Godfather, Scarface in it, putting his face into a mountain of it. But yeah, he takes up. Nick takes a full handful of cocaine. (laughs) Does he take a handful? I don't remember. (laughs) Anyway, takes a handful of cocaine. Which is a lot of cocaine. (laughs) (laughs) He finds his weapons because they took his weapons from him, obviously. So he finds his axe and his crossbow. And then he finds the LSD. It takes... It's, that, it's like this green goo in a jar. Then, so he takes his finger and just does a little tiny bit as opposed to a handful. And Sticks it cuts to... Mouth. And it cuts to this like animated graphic of his face literally melting off. Yeah. But now he's re-energized and ready to go, <laughs> even though he's been beat to all hell. He just needed a handful of cocaine and a, a taste of the LSD goo to get him going. Yeah. So I guess total there are four spooky boys. One he killed with his car. One he slit his throat. Or two he slit his throat. Three he snapped his neck. And then four there's one more standing outside who's watching his car being burned. Because I guess they're destroying the evidence that that, you know, they even exist or that they would kill this guy. I didn't think that they had enough like wherewithal. Yeah. Yeah. Like (laughs) sense of reality. Yeah. So he Shoots this guy through the neck with a crossbow, but that doesn't face him Nothing. at all. <laughs> and they Blood have, is pouring out and he's yeah. totally fine. <laughs> yeah, they have a tussle. Nick Cage, it gets to a point where he pushes the guy into the burning car. This guy lights on fire. He chops his head off and his flaming head goes rolling down the way. Nick Cage finds a cigarette and lights a cigarette off of this guy's burning, decapitated head. I feel like Nick's done something like that before. He may have. I think he has. Yeah. So he steals one of their motorcycles, and I guess, again, we were probably so distracted by the imagery, but I'm not sure if... Now I'm trying to think of what movie it was. He's definitely done that before. Lit a cigarette off of something weird. Uh, Off of a head. Off of a head? Yeah. Was it Ghost Rider? Because his head's on fire in Ghost Rider. But I don't remember him smoking cigarettes. I, I I wouldn't think that a comic book character would be seen smoking cigarettes a lot, except for like John Constantine. Ugh, I don't know. I can't find it, but I stumbled across this People.com article that said Nick Cage quit smoking in 2002. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously they don't give them real cigarettes for no. movies. Yeah, it's it's. I think it's like an herb, like it's just filled with herbs or something. That's I suppose they don't cough though. Still, with like the smoke. Hmm. I, don't I don't know. I don't know how that works. So anyway, this guy dies. So again, we were probably so distracted by the cinematography that we missed exactly how he found his way to the drug dealer or the chemist or what have you the guy who's making this lsd yeah he's a chemist yeah so he finds his way there and this guy's surrounded by weird wildlife several different types of bugs i guess he uses in his drug creation in the green goo in the green goo and he also has these those like little tabs of lsd i guess that you would typically see lsd yeah 
but he's also got a tiger in a cage. Yeah, so her name is Lizzie. And that, yeah. An early version of Lizzie was just a lizard. Okay. And then the guy who played the chemist showed up to set and there's a tiger there. And what? he was like, what the fuck is this tiger doing yeah. here? And Panos Cosmatos was like, oh yeah, it's a tiger now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I wonder if it's has anything to do with Nicolas Cage's tiger shirt that he's wearing. Or ha- maybe it has something to do with the way that pa- Panos Cosmatos' parents died. Were his parents Siegfried and or Roy? They didn't die to the tiger. They were just they mauled were by the tiger. Oh. Hmm. Let me, I need to know. <laughs> I need to know how his parents died. So after a brief but weird interaction with this chemist, the chemist really just simply gives him a cardinal direction. He's like, you must be looking for the, the Jesus freaks, as Nick calls it. But he goes, north. And that's all he tells him is just to go north. So Nicolas Cage goes north finds some small church-looking building inside of, I guess, like a quarry area. And he stakes this place out for a little while, and he's able to essentially hunt down every single one of the cultists, and it's incredible. Uh, The first one is, there's this short, there's a couple of long-haired cultists, but there's one older guy who has short hair, and he's driving with the pregnant cultist. And this guy, he pins down, he's able to, I guess, pop their tires or something. He might hit it with a crossbow. The guy gets out of the car. Nick Cage pins him down, and he slowly pushes the axe through this guy's mouth. <laughs> oh, gr- gross. It's so disgusting. Uh, by the way, Panos yeah. Cosmatos' father, George Cosmatos, died mm-hmm. in 2005 of lung cancer, so I don't know what he's talking about. <laughs> so strange. <laughs> I don't know. So Nicolas Cage then lets the pregnant cultist go, go free, because she's the only one who didn't like laugh or smile or say anything snarky when Mandy was burning. She was the only one who looked a little remorseful. Yeah. So he then comes across uh, one of the, as I mentioned, there's a few, most of the cultists have long hair. There's a, there's a younger long haired cultist and there's an older long haired cultist. The younger one he whips his giant axe. You see it turning end over end. Boom, right to this guy's head. That guy's dead. He runs into the older long-haired cultist and stumbles across, I guess because his axe is in the head of another guy somewhere else, he stumbles across a chainsaw. So Nicolas Cage (laughs) picks up a chainsaw as his weapon of choice. And the cultist pulls out a chainsaw that's like three times longer than his chainsaw. And they have an incredible chainsaw battle. The most fun chainsaw battle I've ever seen. It's so good. How (laughs) many movies have chainsaw battles? I don't know. Maybe a few, but this one's great. I love this. This is fantastic. And it gets to a point where Nicolas Cage gets disarmed of his uh, chainsaw and he's got nothing but he picks up a chain like Ghost Rider would (laughs) whips this giant ass chain around this guy's neck and he pulls this guy so that he falls on his own chainsaw and oh it's brutal and gross but fun (laughs) it's crazy and mind you all of these death scenes all of these scenes because Nicolas Cage is on these drugs they have Again, these flashing strobes colors. of colors and greens and reds and blues and yellows. And like things are animated and then they're not. Yeah, it's really odd, but like it works in such a cool yeah, way. Yeah, like at the beginning of the movie, Manny was reading some book and it was talking about a green light associated mm. with 
some cosmic shit and yeah. I, I i don't you keep seeing a green light so like maybe that's I probably owe this movie a rewatch. Yeah. I think if I watched it again and I paid special attention to when the lighting changes, yeah. maybe I would be able to find something more significant. But uh, Well, you have Shudder for the next, for uh, the next six, six days. days. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you're, you're absolutely right. So Nicolas Cage then finds his way into the church or this temple area that they've built. And there's a trap door that he goes underneath, underground through these catacombs that they've built. I guess that's where they live or where they stay it's the rest of the cultists well, they probably pray above ground no it seems like oh, they pray yeah. down there they do pray below ground as well so he then stumbles across there's an old woman cultist and the old woman cultist says something she's along the lines of the worst she's like the reason he keeps me around instead of all these young women is because i'm the most sensual lover Blech. and then it cuts away we don't <laughs> see nicholas cage kill her it cuts away to the cult leader, the last cultist left. And he's, like you said, praying or doing something odd in these catacombs. And out of nowhere, you just see the head of the old lady basically <laughs> hit him in the back and he freaks out. He has this long monologue. This guy's a really good actor. He's so good in this scene, this other guy. I the guy who something went Roach. Yeah. 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 He is so Lucious good. He's got this, or something. Yeah, he's got this monologue about essentially breaking everything down but it's so well written and again i'm so distracted by everything else i couldn't tell you more specifics right now but he looks to nicholas cage nicholas cage forces him essentially down on his knees he forces his cult leader down on his knees and the and to the point where the guy says fine all right i'll, I'll suck your dick i'll suck, I'll suck your dick <laughs> if that's what you really want it's and like then, can you imagine going through all that just to like get your dick wet right <laughs> and and then it, the Sorry, cult leader really it was probably inappropriate, but it's fine. <laughs> but then the cult leader says something along the lines of like, "No, you know what? I won't because that's not God's way." And Nick Cage, <laughs> now with a muffled voice because he's on these drugs that those bikers yeah. were on, he says, "I'm your God now." Hell yeah! And he, you wouldn't understand this reference, but he Game of Thrones it and squishes this guy's head with his bare hands. So disgusting. And like his eyeballs pop out and stuff. <laughs> oh, it's so graphic and gross, but it's incredible. Uh, he lights the whole place on fire, walks away without looking back, and he gets into the cultist car and he starts driving home. And as he's driving, he's having a flashback. He's covered in blood. He's co still covered in blood, mind you. <laughs> but he's having flashbacks to presumably when he first met Mandy at some bar or party. Yeah. And that's intercut with him driving. Now he's manifesting this illusion of Mandy sitting in the car next to him. And he looks over and the camera is <laughs> from the perspective of Mandy in the passenger seat. The camera's pointed right at him and he's looking at her. And he gives this really awkward goofy big grin because he sees mandy and he's oh covered God. in blood and that is the iconic shot of this movie he's driving away and it pans out and you see like several moons and planets in the sky it was something that he and mandy had talked about earlier which i forgot to mention yeah and um then the movie ends and the credits play over silence which i found really spooky Chilling. yeah because usually there's a song and there's a post credit scene, which it's really not much, but it shows what Mandy was drawing earlier. And uh, I don't know specifics. I don't know if you looked up anything about the significance of the no. post credit scene, but it's Nicolas Cage and it's pictures of monsters and dragons and things like that, something that she was drawing. So I'm not sure if the significance is that 
maybe the last third of this movie where he is on that rampage. Maybe it is a figment of someone's imagination. Maybe it's something that she had created because she's an artist. I'm not really sure. I'd have to go back and check. Yeah, I think so too. I like to believe that this actually happened. Yeah. (laughs) So again, I I don't know if anybody else out there has their interpretation of the post-credit scene, but I didn't fully understand it. Or of this film in general. Yeah. I'd love to hear some more detailed analysis on this Same. movie. Really interesting. I'd like to talk about this movie again. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> Have I mentioned on the podcast what we might end up doing one no, day? So what I think one day what we might do is we will revisit some of these movies. We'll take a nice long break when we're done with we, this. I think we earned it. <laughs> but I think we'll do revisits with guests. People yeah. have always asked us, what about guests? Are you ever going to have guests on your program? And um, program, like I'm a fucking old man. <laughs> What's your favorite program? Um, but yeah, you know, I know we've had some friends that because of COVID, we couldn't have them over during the height of COVID yeah. when they wanted we've to see like... people reach out to us, mm-hmm. fans, if yeah. you will. <laughs> so I think it'd be fun like to just pick a random movie or yeah. pick a movie that you're passionate about and, and come on again. We're going to give ourselves a good long break after we're finished yes, with all please. this. But, <laughs> but I think that'll be a cool way to do like a season two yeah, of Through Nick and Thin. love it. Cool. Well, that's about it for me, Han. Anything else you'd like to discuss before we get into some of the other things we like to do? No, I think we I think we caught all of my... Uh, Cheddar Goblin, I know, was one. that I wanted to share. The Nudity was another. The Tiger Lizzie. was another. Yeah, that was it. Cool. All right. Well, our next segment of this program here is going to be our (laughs) Nicolas Cage Awards. So our first award is who is the best supporting actor? Jeremiah Sands. The guy who plays something Roach, you said, right? I forget his name. Yeah. Yeah. The guy who plays the cult leader. He was great, especially in that last scene uh, where he has this long monologue that, again, monologues. Well, not again. I didn't say this already, but monologues can be kind of hard to to nail and he nails it. So good. Um just goes through all these different emotions it's great best dressed tiger shirt tidy whities or covered in blood is so good covered too. in blood i think we've given it to covered in blood before we've covered i think we've given it to covered in black paint oh yeah <laughs> i like the i like the shock value of him getting up from the barbed wire mm-hmm going into his bathroom and just being in that shirt and tidy whities. Yeah. <laughs> and right. that's his favorite shirt, so I think we should give it to that. Okay, all right, all right. I like that. Uh, the worst Nick Cage scene. This award is Maybe usually like the easier. the beginning? Yeah, the, the opening montage where it's like, yeah. hey, he's a lumberjack. Yeah. Okay, yeah, that doesn't really do much for me. Or maybe him saying wow i love that art babe (laughs) (laughs) yeah okay that one was probably the worst i think it i think it should be that one uh the best nicholas cage scene the bathroom scene was great the chainsaw fight was so good chainsaw fight the the whole scene at the drug house the biker's house where he's tearing through the bikers i like the chainsaw fight Giving it to the chainsaw fight. Okay. All right. Next award. Best Nicolas Cage scream. It's the whole bathroom scene. The bathroom scene is great. It's so good. So incredible. Ah, such a good scream. Series of screams. You ripped ripped my shirt is also a fantastic scream. Yeah. In in a lesser (laughs) movie. It's a cheaper scream. Yeah. In a lesser movie. Oh, that that would have gotten it. But yeah, no. This had a lot of options, and the bathroom scene was just, I mean, like, 
ingrained in my memory. Yeah, totally. And finally, Han, the most nouveau shamanic moment. What is the most quintessential Nicolas Cage moment, seeing as how nouveau shamanism is his own acting style? I mean, it's so deeply personal. And tell me if you don't think that this is like in the realm of nouveau shamanism, but the fact that his 14-year marriage ended and he was able to like use that to inspire performance like this feels Mm. very like him like that feels Mm. like something that only nick cage would be able to do like this movie isn't about like a marriage ending other than the fact that the wife is dead yeah it's about revenge Mm. and i don't think that he wants revenge on Mm. alice kim (laughs) no (laughs) i can't imagine that so for him to be able to like put out a performance that's inspired by an event that seemingly should not like equate that type of emotion in a person is like very nouveau shamanic. Uh, well, there you have it, folks. I I think that's very well put. You so. think? Oh okay. yeah. I was gonna say either that or like taking a fistful of cocaine to the face. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of the two. <laughs> or one of the two. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I agree. I think that is that is a very Nicolas Cage thing to do. We usually give it to a moment, but I don't think that this movie this movie's so full of Nicolas Cage yeah, moments. There's... But it's also not because the script sort of calls for it. Yeah. And the directing calls for it. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Loved it. Love that. Well, Hen, you loved it. Where are you ranking this one? We're ranking this one high. That's this what I was deserves, thinking. This one deserves I don't know top 10, but yeah let me top 10 is so hard to crack what's number 10 number 10 is kick-ass oh i'd put this above kick-ass number nine is the family man oh i love i know family man is such a different movie i'd put it at 10 you'd put it at 10 and then number 11 just for reference is joe yeah so you think it's above joe yeah i i I'd, I think Joe is a better movie. Right. But it's not as like, but like cagey. His, yeah. I mean, this like his acting is just incredible in this. Yeah. Completely agree. All right. Well, there you have it, folks. We got a movie that cracked the top 10. Who would have thought? In 2018. Yeah. Who would have thought in Good his late him. career? Yeah. Great. Good stuff. So next week, Han. I'm looking forward to whatever Mr. Megorium's Wonder Important. What is it called? This <laughs> Willie's Wonderland. Oh, Mr. Megorium's Wonder Important. Willie's Wonderland. I think <laughs> same, that'll be same fucking thing. <laughs> that's going to be a very similar feel to this or Mom to, and Dad. Oh, I thought you were going to say to Mr. Megorium. Oh no! Yeah. <laughs> Next week we are watching we a movie called Looking Glass. Uh, it's not great by the numbers uh, 21 percent on rotten tomatoes so uh another 2018 movie yep we'll see not sure maybe he, it'll be like the humanity bureau yeah he's been on a hot streak in our term in our frame of reference in the sense of every movie we've seen recently has been pretty eh, it's like every other movie and that's seen. true i guess yeah you're right i did say earlier in this very podcast that recently we've seen some okay movies and some bad movies so well last week was dark which that's true which wasn't was even just really a, a movie. recut mm-hmm. so and then before that was humanity bureau and then before that it was something that we liked but i can't recall which one it was mom and dad yeah yeah but that was also like a bad movie <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was just fun <laughs> well so here's how the order went for us it went 
Vengeance, a love story, which we thought was an all-time low. Yeah, that was trash. Then it went to Inconceivable, which was sort of a cheesy Hallmark. Uh, no, it was a Lifetime movie. Lifetime movie. That's what I meant. <laughs> and then Making it went. Making a mistake. Hallmark would not put out a movie like that. <laughs> then it went to Mom and Dad, which was another one that was sort of graphic and fun. Then the Humanity Bureau, which was bad but fun. Then Dark, which was a simple recut of a previous movie. And now Mandy, which which we, again, graphic but fun. And interesting. This one was interesting. Yes. Added a third layer to yes. it. So, so that's for you. That's what we've got. That's where that's that's gonna do it. Cool. Anything else before you get out of here? We get out of here. <laughs> no, I I think we should. Uh, I think you should watch it again. I'm not, I not, I was gonna say we. I don't know if I want to, but I think you should watch it again <laughs> <laughs> before your uh, subscription to Shutter expires. Oh God, I'm not watching it again in the next six days. <laughs> I think I need to live with it for a while. I think that AMC also offered a free seven-day trial and is showing Mandy. So Oh, that makes more sense to get in a, Maybe in like a couple months, if it's still doing that, you can download the AMC free trial. Or if, or if any of our listeners already have, yeah, are paying might. for the AMC streaming service. I don't know why you would be because <laughs> there's, there's so street. many other ones. Yeah. I think it was like eleven ninety nine a month. Oh, that's not worth it at all. No. <laughs> Breaking Bad's on Netflix. What else do you need AMC for? So is Mad Men. So is The Walking Dead. No, Mad Men's not on Netflix anymore. Oh, it's not? No. Oh, well. I took it off. Well, anyway. I think that does it, right? Yep. All right. And just remember, we always will be here for you through Nick and Thin. Thanks for listening, guys. Take care. Now,